You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Welcome to part two of uh, Emily Fleming's appearance on Dad Men. Shut the door, have a seat. Thanks for joining us. We are uh, going into the episode discussion portion of the show. And this is a segment called 30 Second Breakdown, where our goal is to manage to tell the whole story of the episode in just 30 seconds. And it's the, it's the last one of the season. So momentous. And uh, I'm injured. I'm hurt. I'm hurt bad. My coach said I can't do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's push through. Let's do let's, I think we can do it. I think we can, I think we can make it happen. You can't do it, you bum. Okay. <laughs> Ready when you are, buddy. I shall hit you at three, two, one, go. Pete is being pestered by his in-laws to have a baby with uh, Trudy, his wife. Don is sad because he hates his wife's family, doesn't want to go on vacation to see them, and he found out his brother uh, passed away, tragically. Peggy gets promoted, and she also kind of is too harsh on a woman in a recording booth until she cries. And Ken is just sort of there, I guess. And that's, and I think that's everything. time. Yeah. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. You <laughs> that get 30 was 30 seconds. seconds? Isn't it fast? Everyone, every time we've had a guest on here, which is once, they have to, they've agreed with us that the 30 seconds is like, it, it doesn't feel like 30 seconds. Well, like when Jala first did it, uh, he was like, Halfway through, like explaining the first scene of the episode. Well, can <laughs> I, I like, can I just time. add a little fifteen second thing on the end of that and just say, all right, start the yeah. timer again. Go. The whole point of this episode is the value of family, and mm-hmm. time will pass whether you want it to or not. And mm-hmm. if you miss your opportunity to be with your loved ones, it's gone. And he doesn't like the in laws. But uh, because of his bullshit, Don misses the opportunity to spend Thanksgiving with his family. Yeah. Beautiful. It's 25 amazing. seconds, Emily. Thank you. It was just an addition to what he said. But I think that he had a lot of a, like information about other characters that is pertinent to what we're talking about. So, yes. for sure. So I appreciate um, it. It's, it's meant to be like when AMC had the episode synopsis, uh, when you clicked guide on your TV remote. Uh, sort of like that type of shit. Um, this was written by Matthew Weiner, the show creator, our, our good friend, and uh, <laughs> Robin Veith, that was the co-writer of the episode, and it was directed by the big dog, Matthew Weiner. So, uh, it was, I found that very interesting, because he doesn't direct a lot of the episodes. Really? A madman. No. I didn't He's know that. He's more of a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, our first segment, our first big segment, this is kind of the crux of the show. Uh, I don't know why I said show like that. It's probably nothing. Uh, is uh, It's a carousel. Nostalgia. It's delicate. But potent. Sweetheart. So the carousel is about uh, the feelings we had when we were first watching uh, the episode and then how the episode felt when we were watching it. Uh, in our modern times. And um, the thing I, I vividly remember about watching this episode the first time is uh, Mad Men doesn't use the flashback all that often, or I should say the fantasy sequence mm. all that often. And um, 
I was I was bedeviled. I was tricked by uh, the scene where Don comes home, and it's like so tear jerking. He he gets to get there in time to see Betty and to make his kids happy. He's going on the trip with them, and uh, it's just a gut punch, man. When all of a sudden you see him coming home again and saying hello, like you know, and and this time it's the reality. They they left without him, and he not only did he blow it with his brother who tried to reconnect with him emotionally and be part of his life. But he blew it with his chosen family as well. Because he, he chose his new life over Adam Whitman. He, he is making a very theatrical show of that they left him and he's like, there's nothing I could do now. Well, uh, I think what it is is that he's decided, well, I told them I can't go and they're already gone so they don't want me there. In his yeah. mind. Which I think that a lot of people can do to themselves when like yeah. Oh, I didn't get invited to this thing. Therefore, they don't want me there. And it's like, listen, sometimes people get busy and like creating a list of people to invite people to just because they forgot to put you in the list doesn't mean they don't like you or love you. Mm-hmm. Just ask, like, like contact somebody who went to the party and be like, is it cool if I come and just show up anyway, bitch, just show up. Are you just going to spend your entrance. whole life waiting for somebody to ask you to things? No. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, Don's a little bitch is what we're trying exactly. to do. No, anyone who watches Mad Men and thinks, this guy's a badass. Like, there are people <laughs> who think, oh, yeah, this guy's slick and suave. He's no. He's a little child. He, he really is. Moment, he, he curls up into the fetal position in this episode. <gasps> you know? I mean, that's pretty he on does. the nose, right? He does. I just remember yeah. on the stairs. Um, great. It's a great shot. You're right. But he, he, he goes on his couch after he talks to, uh, to, uh, Harry Crane and he, he curls up in the fetal position. I and, don't remember uh, that. That's amazing. There was a scene in, in episode six of this season and I edited that episode today. So I remember this where Don is bringing breakfast to Betty because it's mother's day. So he's trying to be a good dad, you know, and a good husband. Mm-hmm. And yep. he he literally falls on his ass. And I credit this to Jala because uh, it was his observation. Um, but he doesn't like try again. You know, he just it seems like he has this self-defeating mindset where it's like, oh, that failed. This is why I don't make effort, you know. So I right, feel like right. that's what happens at the end of this episode is Don made the effort to come home and be with his family. They weren't there. It didn't go exactly how he pictured it. And we literally see how he pictured it going. And he he gave up like a Pete Campbell. Um, yep. <gasps> I, I'll, Jala, I'll open this up to you. That's uh, an amazing I, observation. That deep <laughs> down, you. he's just... Oh, wow. Well, he's secretly a lot like Pete Campbell. And then Pete really wants to be like Don. So it's this interesting <laughs> yin-yang of self-hatred. I think that there is something about right now where because of COVID, like there's a way to make your own way from home because yeah. it's almost made the meccas of entertainment, not irrelevant, but just mm-hmm. not entirely necessary. Whereas right. I came from Tennessee, went to college in Arkansas, which I thought was a death sentence and then went to I just went to New York, went to here. I like had to fight, you know, my way up here. I didn't get to go to a good arts college, all that stuff, which doesn't fucking matter. Like it doesn't. Yeah, at the end of the day. At the end of the day, no. But then you get to Los Angeles and 
so you fight your way here and a lot of lucky things happen and people lift you up that you didn't think were going to. And then there's somebody like Pete Campbell, who's just rich, whose parents are rich. And so you immediately hate them and you immediately dismiss them because they have all this privilege without knowing how bad they want things. And that even though they're so privileged doesn't mean that they don't want to work really hard. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they don't respect you. Doesn't mean that they aren't humble. It doesn't, I mean, Pete Campbell, it's debatable if he's humble, but I think that he really, I think that he's incredibly insecure. It's obvious but he wants to be Don Draper. He's told him that he wants to be Don yeah. Draper. And Don Draper is somebody who was not born to a successful family, but he assumes the identity of someone else who I don't yes. even know if that person had like a, like he just knows that he wants to assume that person. He just wants to start over. But it's like, isn't that what Pete Campbell's doing? He's wanting to, he's trying trying to assume another identity. He's trying to assume a new man that isn't his father. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why Don hates him so much is he sees himself in Pete. And it's like the insecurities that he feels are just thriving inside of Pete. And he could see them like, it's like a Mm -hmm. fungus. It's just like bubbling up inside of Pete, this, and it makes him feel all of the insecurities he felt. So he's just like, yeah. fuck off. Like it's, and it's yeah. just like when you're in this industry, when you've worked so hard to be here, when you're not from Los Angeles, you're not from New York City, where you're from Minnesota, or when you're from Ohio, mm-hmm. and you feel like, you know, everything is a vast, scary universe of entertainment. And it's like, I look at, um, nepotism stuff sometimes mm-hmm. which i i will no longer look at because it's it's frustrating because you look yeah. at it and you just go there's nothing i can possibly do that's don's frustrated with it as well yes he, he, he you can see that it's in this episode he's really pissed off entirely yeah. it's yeah. nepotism and also sterling is nepotism 100 percent. and but yep. somehow because sterling likes him and he's the one that lifted him up. He can't hate him, mm-hmm. but right, he sucks. Like he sucks. That's no, very well like, said. Em. Yeah, very well said. I think I think you really nailed it. It's just it makes him aware that he is replaceable. I think is what it is. Yeah, for sure. In the last episode, he told Pete, you know, you've had everything handed to you on a silver platter, and you need to work hard. And Cooper told him he needed to work hard too. And what does Pete do? He gets his father-in-law to give him an account, you know? Ugh. And so there's there's a little bit more of a, like, I'm really disappointed in you. He is impressed that Pete is getting all the shit done for the office, but he's not proud. I mean, he's <laughs> and, uh, hungry. He's a hungry motherfucker. He'll do whatever. Yeah. That's why I like him, though. But I like mm-hmm. it because Don is talented. Yes. Oh, yeah. And Pete is hungry, but not yes. talented. If only they could yes. fuse Not, into some sort of... But the thing is, like, I think constantly about how America is all about lift yourself up by everything. Not everybody is talented. Not everybody right. is Don Draper. Some people are just right. hungry and hardworking. 
So where is the, the reward system for people who are not talented, but just really fucking hardworking. And there just mm-hmm. isn't. So it's interesting to watch a character who is privileged be a hard worker who is not talented. Right, the hungry guy. Who is like, and also it's fun to watch Pete try to replicate the behavior that Don replicates and not get away right. with it. <laughs> Very well said. Very yeah. well said. That's a can. great observation. He's not smooth. He's not talented. He's, nope. he's socially awkward, yeah. He's just an honest man who was born into money, who is yep. a normal person who got born into money. He's not gifted. He's not special. He's not anything. He he's just, not even particularly masculine either. No, and he feels kind no. of effeminate, like, that, or, or emasculated, rather. A hundred percent. He's kind of a thin, effeminate man who just happened to be yeah. born into a very powerful fam- like family. But his right. main attribute that we all love is how hungry he is to be great. And that's why we keep watching him. Is yes. Because even though he's a fucking worm, we're all like, yes. he has a dream. He longs for things. He wants things. We root for people that have dreams is like in movies and television. But like, yeah, no, Pete's an amazing character. I have not seen anything about him like similar to that replicated that I can like put my mm. fingers on. Character wise. Yeah. He's my favorite. Yeah. He He's is. my favorite character and in the show. What's so right. funny is the older I get, the more I think Pete is one of my favorite characters. I, yeah. I agree with you. We have a theory that the people who hate Pete are actually very similar to him. Um, yeah, they, they hate themselves. <laughs> like, that's, um. and that's why, why Don is Pete, like, in a way. Yeah, right. In a way, in a way. It's a yin-yang yeah. situation. Yes. Um, I, I, but when I first watched this episode, um, I remember this is the moment where Don stopped being a villain in the story to me. Because, Emily, I, when I first watched the show, I was like... Um, I hate this guy. He's actually a bad guy, and I want Pete to take him down. Um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this Pete guy, he's a good guy. He's really good. Aside from that <laughs> first episode and the Peggy stuff, he's really good. You were uh, a lot more <laughs> uh, introspective and self-aware than I think a lot of people were. Like, <laughs> I hated him. Hated him. But in this episode, I think they really did a good job of, like, it, it – brought the the closure of the him listening to his wife's therapy sessions which i when i first saw it i'm like fuck you dude what the fuck's wrong with you um they ended that in a really good way um and i i just i finally started to pity don and i think betty's little monologue at her therapy session helped bring us a better understanding of don so that in the next season i understood him better because of betty you know so uh we we do a good job on this podcast of uh crediting the Betty character, because she got a lot of hate when this was first airing. Do not come for Betty Draper or her performance as Betty Draper, because we're not 100%. we're not discussing uh, January Jones in any other movie we're, or, or whatever. We're discussing her performance right. in this thing. She was perfectly cast. I definitely, when I first watched the show, found, like, this is kind of jarring. Like, I feel like her performance is a little different than the style of a lot of other people. But as soon as you started 
getting to know her more, didn't it remind you of your mom? Didn't it remind you of the tight-lipped, like, holding their shit together by a fucking Mm -hmm. thread and just doing everything for other people while doing nothing for yourself and looking good doing it? Like, the more I watched her character, the more I understood my own mother. And That's cool. It's very cool to have that introspection, especially with that character. I mean, you know what I mean? She's she doesn't want to fucking do this shit. Like you just kept. Yeah, she kind of said almost says it. But, in, in one but of the it's episodes. like, but there's something about the minute you see her her performance that you go, "Why mm-hmm. is she so stiff? Why isn't this acting? Why isn't this anything?" And it's like because it's almost Barbie doll because she sucks at it. Because she's not supposed to be there. Because this woman is stuck in place where she shouldn't be. Hmm. And she's pretending. It's like the casting is so genius. And that's why her acting style worked so well. Because it was like a 1950s woman who looks perfect. Who is doing everything everyone ever told her to do. And she hates it she doesn't want to be there she's not getting anything she wants she's just a doll in place and whether or not she meant to do that performance i don't care Mm -hmm. she nails it and it feels so visceral it feels so unnerving and that's when you're watching it you're like what is this i i gotta tell you emily that description of of betty and how she fits into the show, I think, I don't know if it could be said any better. Thank you. Like, <laughs> you really, you really shed a lot of light on how I'm starting to come around to Betty on this, on this new watch that we're doing for the show. Yeah. Like, when, when I first watched it, I wasn't a huge fan of her really. Yeah. And I think that's on purpose. I think. Right. She, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're supposed to hate her because she's getting in the way of Don fucking other glorious sexy women for sure would you like to talk about the scene not to jump but no, would no. you like to talk about the scene with um <laughs> mike's favorite uh duo what? glenn and betty since we're on Ooh. betty oh jeez oh, oh yikes yeah i have a hot i have a it's not a hot take but i do have a um i don't know what type of take this is but I think that scene might be the saddest scene in the show this far. Is this when she was babysitting him or when he comes up to her in the car? Yeah. The car. Yeah, the car. Up into the car. Mm-hmm. <gasps> um, sad. I know. It's like sad in like every description of the also word that is gross. sad. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's pathetic. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's, it's horrendous. But the thing is, she needs attention so bad. Yeah. And I know. And she's. That's what's so sad. But like, she's had so little adult interaction because she's a husband that's mm-hmm. never around. She's shut in this house mm-hmm. with these kids. She doesn't really hang out with adults other than the occasional no. wife who's like, my husband's cheating on me too. And you're like, ugh. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah, it It's just a ton of other women who are exactly the same as Betty. 
they've all been infantilized because they're all stuck inside a house and they have no life outside of each other and their children. So they're all children. And think about it, Emily, like what you just mentioned, she doesn't want to be there. No. Also, like, like, as far as like a, you know, she wants more of herself. And we find that out early, later, in, or not later, we find that out previously. Yes, Go yes. Ahead, she also um, has nobody she can confide in. Her husband uh, emotionally neglects her. Her therapist, it turns out, is in cahoots with her husband. Um, she has a friend who is busy getting cheated on by her husband. I is know. An emotional I wreck. really like so her friend, too. Can, it makes me so uh, sad. She, she can um, she can only confide in a eight-year-old boy who doesn't know how long 20 minutes is. And that's one of my favorite lines of the episode. I think it's so funny. Darkly funny and sad. What was um, the line? I, I didn't know. So he says, I don't... I wish I was older. First he says that. And then she's holding his hand with the gloves. Uh, he's, he has these little mittens on, I should say. And she's holding yeah. his hand. And he says, I don't know how long 20 minutes is. Because he's worried about his mom coming back coming from out. the store. Uh. So... Yeah, it, it's I I hate every Betty and uh, Glenn interaction in the show. It's one of my least favorite things about the program. Um, but <laughs> honestly, so like it adds so much like oh yeah, like depth layers sadness to Betty. to Betty for sure. My favorite thing about Mad Men is the way it lifted up women in this time period. Thank like you. it's these characters. I mean, I can't get them out of my head. I think of yeah. every no, every amazing. female character from the show. Like, but yeah, what are we talking about? Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving uh, special episode. Is yeah. Peggy even in this episode? She gives She's birth. The biggest part. <gasps> this uh, is the gives, episode where she gives birth. The way I I understood it based on how the show presented it is, after she gets promoted, she says she had a bad sandwich and is very sick and. Joan writes it off and says, oh, you want to take the day off early because uh, your promotion. But she, we, we all of a sudden see her in a hospital. She's telling the doctor, I had a bad sandwich again. And suddenly the doctor says, how long have you been? Uh, you didn't mention that you were with child, I think is what they say. Um, yeah. And it's a kind of a bombshell. Peggy at first says, you know, that's impossible. And uh, he he basically tells her, you need to stop talking. We need to get you upstairs. You're like about to give birth. And what happens is she grabs her bag and like gets ready to leave. So I almost think, and this is just how I read the series, um, that she has noticed that she is like, uh, her body's changing and she's probably felt the baby kicking or something, but she's doing at the, at the office, she's doing the same thing she did in her life, which was she was going into denial and uh, okay. trying to carry on with her life. And okay. Well, um, also, she's she starts- Catholic. Right. And so I think that she's just so. Um, it's clear that her family hasn't told her shit. The, the only reason I think that she went into denial about it is because she is ignoring that the baby even exists when the, the doctors or the nurse brings the baby to her and. Um, oh is basically God. denying motherhood. So that's that's and anything beyond that would get into season two territory for analysis. But well, um, the ep- yes, I mean, oh God, I wish I could talk about future stuff. We'll have you back. 
We'll have you back. Um, but I mean, we do know it's Pete's baby. I think is something that is important. I think that if you've been watching, I I mean, you you should probably only inf- inf- infer that it's the only it person rains. she's fucked. Like right, you should right, know right. that this is Pete's baby. Hundred percent. No, it is. It is. I was. I was being. Um, no, because like it, the only date we saw her on, it didn't go very well. I don't think that. Uh, I mean, she let's talk about all guys. her dates. But like, she just <laughs> has a hell of a time for this whole yeah. series. Um, I do think that it's. I know that people are listening, and we don't want to spoil things. I just think it's important to know that she's going to be okay, because after this season you know it like you know she's going to be okay you know that when she goes through this you're rooting for her from yeah. this moment and you know she's going to be okay like i knew she's, it yeah. as soon as i saw that episode i went this bitch is gonna fucking crush like i knew it from then on i mean she's rocketing She's rocketing it's like just, she's a badass. She's yeah. been yeah. through it and she's just got everything fighting against her. And when you've got everything fighting against you, that's when you got nothing to lose. And this girl's got nothing to fucking lose. She's the girl. And she's going for yeah, it. Yeah, she's the girl to root for. Like it's, and mm-hmm. that's why it's like she's supposed to be the yin to the yang of Dawn. Yep. But I daughter figure. Yes, but I yep, still I mm-hmm. still think that Joan is the son. Like I still mm. think Ooh. she's the thing that keeps everything rotate. I I think that she's the thing that keeps everything going. See, I I see like Peggy as the main character, or the you know the one you root for, and then Joan is like the Zeus figure, who is like the father of Hercules. Not to use She's gender very terms. Zeus. Word, but, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like Joan is the person that knows all, is all overseeing, yeah. but mm-hmm. in the end is not getting anything she wants. <laughs> well, she she's almost too powerful, uh, Joan. You know, so. Well, the other thing is just see, she's like she's so smart and like so oh, yeah. strong but she's also one of the most beautiful women in the world yeah 100% and it makes like other people around her hate her or mm-hmm. want her or want to be her so she's like not relatable <laughs> so it makes it hard for her to make friends it makes her hard to have meaningful connections it's interesting she's so powerful it is really but yet so lonely yeah, she, right. she, yeah. Well, the thing about Joan that we loved watching in this season was, um, her arc is pretty much like she kind of supports the patriarchy in like the first half of the season. Kinda. She's telling Peggy, if you're lucky, you'll get married and wind up in the country. And we do these things for men because we love them and it's our job to keep them safe and be their wives and their mother figures. And so, you know, it, it's somewhere. Like in the near the end of the season, she says something to the effect of that she is sick of men. She's so sick of men. She hates. I mean, up this but shit. that's and why her and Peggy are such amazing foils to each other. They're a cute duo, and I I love the scene in this episode where um, Joan is happy for Peggy becoming a copywriter. She is. It's not shitty. It's just she does give great advice. You know, just because you have a door, don't forget about the people behind the door. Um, 
Absolutely. She's she's a little pithy when she says, I said congratulations, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, but that's just Joan. She's always a little bit of a firecracker. But she's fucking know? right. Because mm-hmm. yeah. just because you're up here with all the men, don't forget all the women down here. You yep, have to fight said. for these women because I've been sitting here fighting for these women, including yep. you, bitch. Including really you. So mm-hmm. it's like, yep. even though she didn't believe in the trajectory that uh, Peggy was on, she was still mm-hmm. trying to give her the best advice she knew how. But it's like, her advice is old-fashioned and a little outdated, but yeah. really, it, it's... She means it's, well. It's coming from the right place. It's all yeah. she has. It's just like what she's got. Exactly. And yeah. she's also been stunningly beautiful her whole fucking life. And it's kind of hard. She's like, why can't you be beautiful? Like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of hard for, too much lunch? for people. Like, right. I remember, so when I worked in New York City, I like moved from Tennessee to New York to pursue comedy. And, oh, I'm so skinny. Oh, my God. I could wear any outfit, look fabulous. But... I didn't because I was from Tennessee and I was a country girl and I would just wear, I was still wearing flip flops everywhere. Like it was bad. And I got jobs at jewelry stores with girls who were from New York. Like, yeah. And they would wear, this was like mm, 2011. So club (laughs) clothes, you know what I mean? Like 2011 Mm -hmm. was like, you look like you're going to the club. You look like you're Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian. That was like, right. but I didn't want to, I period. was leaning more towards the twee hipster shit. Like, that's what I was kind of going for. But I worked with these girls and they'd be like, you look like you're Amish. They would just look at my clothes and be <laughs> like, why do you look like this? And I'd be like, I don't know. This is what I want. So they constantly try to dress me up and cinch me in and do all this stuff. So I, like the Joan. They, Joan, they tried to Joan you. They tried to Joan me, but really that wasn't who I was. And it, it didn't, get, it wasn't going to get me ahead. It might have gotten me a husband or something, but I didn't want a husband. And that's <laughs> kind of like the Peggy of it all. It's a traumatic scene when she's in the hospital and, you know, the labor pains start. I Elizabeth Moss is a genius. She she's an is a actor. fucking yeah. genius. I think she may be better than Meryl Streep. I'm gonna be honest. I think Ooh. I think Elizabeth Moss is better. Um, she's great. I she's think really good. she might be one of the last legit solid actresses of our time. So should we get into the final moment? We've sort of talked about the final moments, like already with Don coming home. Should um, we talk about? Uh, the complications of Thanksgiving in America. I think it's fitting to say that because this episode, theme-wise, since it's Thanksgiving, is heavily based on family, uh, accepting family, rejecting family. Uh, being there for your family. Being there for the family, losing family. It's it's all wrapped in that same thematic um, thematic uh, wrapping. Um that this episode really carries. I think the whole show is about shrinking yourself into these like roles that you don't want to be in 
And mm-hmm. Betty is clearly special. Like, she's so beautiful, and she was a model. She had ambitions. She's clearly smart. Yeah. She eventually figures some things out about Dom that I think a lot of other women would not have figured out at the right at the rate that she figured it out. Like she's not stupid. Yeah. I think in this episode that she brings that up in fact. Right. Um which I thought she really had really great intuition. Um because she didn't have the specific um gotcha moment with him. Because that's not how but it she, works. <laughs> Right, but she nails it on the head when she's trying to do her game with the therapist. Um, she has that line. Um, she talks about basically how um, you know Don doesn't, you know, he doesn't know about he doesn't really know about or doesn't know about family or doesn't care about family. Yeah, and uh, oh wow, that is foreshadowing. For I had no. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like she Jala! she has a sixth sense oh, of like who he is. Holy shit! You just like yeah, it's wild, right? Like she has a sixth sense before she even knows <gasps> it's real, but she feels it. It's crazy. You yeah. just like blew my mind. You're so right. You're so right. It was like foreshadowing something that we knew was going to happen. Oh, did, right. that's why she just didn't know it was coming there. This is why, also, the more that we think about this, that Betty, when we're like, oh, she sucks, like, her character is stiff. Yeah. It's, she's like a blank slate that is, like, curious. She's just somebody that's trying to figure shit out. She had a family that made her a doll. That these are the roles she's supposed to do. She's a robot. That's why the acting style of January Jones works so perfectly to the character that she doesn't know who she is. She's just a doll. And so slowly we see her discovering fucked up shit. She unravels it a little bit. She really does. Which is really cool. I can't believe that she said that. I don't remember her saying that. You're blowing my fucking mind right now. (laughs) (laughs) So we do on this show. Yes. That's so crazy, dude. Ah. You're so right. She also makes the observation, I, it must be that I'm not enough. But then she also says, uh, but then I think and realize it's not me, it's him. Uh, so she's a smart Which cookie. Really, yeah. She oh, is she's a very smart, smart woman. but it's like so hard to break away from intergenerational expectations. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. exactly. But she's somebody that just, uh, because... The only thing she knows is, like, she could have been a model. She could have done all this stuff. Yeah. But she, yeah. Mm-hmm. other than that, like, she missed her chance. Do you know what I mean? There's this yeah. other thing about, like, there's all these beautiful women in the show. But the mm-hmm. thing that I think about a lot, which also applies to me, which I feel a lot of freedom in the, like, the moment that I'm alive, which, uh, is a complicated thing to say, but the perception of women of a certain age is what I'm trying to say. Right. Is, um, Joan, it, it just kept going even though she got older 
She didn't get married. Yep. She didn't have kids. She just kept going and mm-hmm. ignored the rules of you're too old. You're not allowed to be attractive. You're, you should be married by now. You should be this, which she felt the pressures of those things. But Betty was somebody who could have like had a, had yeah. an amazing life. Well, that's fucked up because if she'd become a model, I'm sure she would have encountered uh, some Harvey Weinstein of, uh, of it of all. That. Yeah, but of it's like she wouldn't have. She at least wouldn't have like been trapped by domesticity. But yeah, Joan suffered through objectivity and kept going, but. I think now as a woman, like two sides of the same coin. It's maybe. true, but like as a woman nearing forty, I don't feel as uh, as scared about the idea of it and not being married and not being like a mom or whatever. I don't feel that way, but at that time for Betty, it's like. Everything to be it's everything to be past yeah. the age of thirty, not be married, not a, it's death. Mm-hmm. It's a death sentence. Yeah. So it's everything else. She You're was right. like, I could go be a model, and then be a spinster over thirty and have nothing and be a whore, or I could just marry this man who's gonna, you know, ruin my fucking life. If you were to rate this one out of five Manhattans, what would you Manhattans? give it? Manhattans? Yeah, that's our that's a yeah that's, that's our rating system. <laughs> system. <laughs> I five love is it. the best. One is the worst, or not no. the worst, but is a low. But yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it. Um, so it's obviously full of I- iconic moments and um, great acting. Uh, I don't. I I don't know that it's at the level of like a. Nixon versus Kennedy last week's episode or the suitcase in season four, for example. Um, so I think it, it gave me chills. It made me cry. It did a, like a lot of stuff near perfect, but it's not that like next level thing where like I get high from how good it is. So I'm giving it like 4.5 wow. Manhattans, I would say. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how we're on the same path. I didn't think we would be. I thought, I thought you might have thrown this a five, no. but I feel like the exact same way. The, the last episode, uh, Emily, Nixon versus Kennedy, I think, uh, I, 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 we had mentioned, and me particularly, I thought that that episode could stand with the best episodes of any drama TV show and could, like, most likely yeah. win. And coming off of that to this, this episode is great. It's fantastic. But there's something special that happened the episode before that really pushed it over the edge. In this one, I yeah lightning, lightning yeah struck. yeah thank you lightning stroke struck and um, this episode is fantastic but it didn't have that dopamine hit like we like how Mike mentioned in the last episode I I have to give it four point five two I really enjoyed it though it's really great uh, the cinematography is really great in this too um, I yeah. have to give it five because mm-hmm. um, the Peggy bombshell. Is yeah. one of the most big I think uh, shocking and important uh, moments in television history. I I also really loved 
seen Don get his comeuppance of loneliness. Yeah. I just think yeah. it was this um, this moment where you want to see what happens next because you know it's the lowest point for so many characters yes. you love. So you know that the next episode has to be an upswing. And right. I love a low point because you know there's nowhere to go but up. Right. So I'm mm. giving it a five because there's no way to have a high point without a low point. And this is one of the most pleasurable low points to watch. Mm. Okay. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Cause there's some low points you watch where it's just like, fuck, I don't want to watch this. This is impossible. But these low points were ones that I couldn't look away I was very engaged mm-hmm. with. I was like clinging to. So five for there's you. There's not a lot of shows that can do that. You know? I got it down. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a magical episode for sure. Listen, I have enjoyed talking to both of you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so sorry that I ramble, but honestly, this has been the hey. best Friday night I could have ever hoped for. Oh, you're cute. <laughs> you're cute. It's so nice. That. We appreciate your time, though. And I'm glad you had super Yeah, thank you for doing so this. Much. We're This is the best. The, the honor is ours. Ever, so. Do you want to plug anything before okay. you go? Um, I would like to plug Good Mythical Evening, which we're doing the second one in September. I don't remember the mm-hmm. date. But if you go to, like, you know, everything about good difficult morning you can find information about the tickets and everything but it's our second edition of it it will be epic if you've seen the first one you know what i mean also um mythicon's happening in october in austin texas if you go to mythicon.com uh there may be tickets left i'm not sure i'm hosting a karaoke jam which I am taking vocal lessons for. That's how seriously I'm taking this. So I'm I'm incredibly awesome. excited. That's awesome. And I hope everyone will join us. Emily, thank you so much for your time. We'll we'll have you back. No problem, Mr. Roland. Um, it was so good to to meet both of you. I appreciate you having me on. Keep up the great work. Bye y'all. This has been a Destiny Park Media Production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.